0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's show about the Miami Marlins. And this is the playoff edition of Fish Bites. That's right. We have not had a playoff edition, not a real playoff edition to this show. And I say that because we had one. We had some of them in 2020, but we all know how that went. I'm your host, Andre Fernandez, deputy sports editor, joined once again by Miami Herald's Miami Marlins beat writer, Jordan McPherson. Jordan. You're doing something that even the great Clark Spencer really couldn't do that often. You're going to cover a playoff series. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah. It's weird to see, weird to feel. It's just, it still doesn't feel real yet, even though they clinched it on Saturday. It's been about 36, hours, 24 hours or so since they clinched it at the time of us recording this. We're recording this Sunday night, by the way. Uh, it's just. Yeah, it just feels surreal. I mean, year one under Skip Schumacher, just the way he corralled that group. You saw basically them become a team that was the sum being – the whole being greater than the sum of their parts and just them finding a way. I mean, again, I remember when we talked back in spring training, I said they probably would need everything to go right to be a 500 team, and everything certainly didn't go their way, and they still managed to be a team that was 7 over 500 – to get the five seed in in the National League, where even if you didn't have the expanded playoffs, they would have still been in this. They still would have qualified, right. even without the six, that third wild card spot. So really good first year for Skip Schumacher, really good season, regular season overall, but the work's not done. They've got Phillies starting on Tuesday, so this is going to be a really interesting playoff run, regardless of how long they go. And, again, it starts with a pretty good team in the Philadelphia Phillies.
0: So if I was in that room with you right now, do you smell like champagne? Were you in there? Did you get soaked? I mean, well, 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 take take us into the post game. Did you get a chance to go in there?
1: We did get a chance to go in there, and yes, uh, had a couple of the guys pour stuff straight over my head. Luckily, I mean, I was smart. I did go and I had a poncho. Got one. Got one the morning <laughs> of. Uh, just as a gut feeling, but a poncho doesn't save you when they find a way to pour it straight down your back. So. Uh, yeah tanner scott got me once jesus Lazardo, who saturday was his 26th birthday so he's as he would say best birthday gifts he's gotten the two of them both got me and a couple of the other marlins writers pretty good and it's definitely a lot of beer a lot of champagne and but i don't think anybody got doused more than general manager kim ang uh again with what this meant to her and what it meant for the team to see her get to this spot. Again, first female GM in baseball history first. And now the first to lead a team to the postseason. It was basically every time she took a step in that clubhouse, somebody else had a bottle, a bottle or a can that was just going right over her head. And of the guys, Tanner Scott, basically every 10, 15 seconds was just pouring something over her. And she yeah. would just, look, she would just look and go, what's a bleep. And then she goes, you know what? Screw it. Let's celebrate. And to see her in that realm, because as we've seen a lot of times, Kim Ang, she's very reserved, very, very, I don't want to say uptight, but she's always very reserved. Business-like. Business-like. Business yeah, yeah, yeah. business-like. Yeah. 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 We finally got to see her come out of her shell during that celebration and know that a team that basically has been primarily, arc- that has been assembled by her over these last right. three years, which only – I remember correctly, I mean, if you, including, including Sandy Alcantara, who's hurt right now, there's only about a handful of players on the active roster who are on that 2020 playoff team before she got here. A lot yeah. of basically everybody on this team was either brought in by her, either signed as a free agent, acquired via trade, what have you, or in Sandy's case, extended. And to see the fruits of that labor paying off, you could tell that it really started to hit her that it happened. It, Became real and the yeah. rest of the clubhouse found a way, was appreciative of her getting them in that spot to be where they are.
0: Well, I think especially this year because, yeah, like when she first got there, I think it was kind of like, you know, hit the ground running kind of on the fly, now settled in. And this season, you know, while they weren't extreme splash moves like most, like some teams do, you know, with higher payrolls and whatnot, but getting a Jake Berger. You know, getting a Josh Bell, getting those pieces to fit in that lineup, and you know they they hit their they had their rough patches. They, you know there were there were moments where you and me were like talking about like, are this it's you know, what's up with this team? They can't get more than two runs in a game for you know a week straight. Yeah. But just enough came together, especially down the stretch. And yeah, I mean, finding ways to win. I mean, that's an understatement. This team. I mean, if you look at the beginning of it, you're talking about them being seven over. I think a lot of people at the beginning of the year thought they'd finish seven under. Even here, like, even there, like you know, some of those, you know, the the people who like to look at the run differential, people who like to look at the expected win loss record, even now, does looks way under what the actual record ended up being. And to their credit, yeah, I mean, they, they, how many games did you cover this year that where, you know, like the other night was a textbook example before it got stopped in New York. Another game where. You're down, and then they just find the way in the eighth or find the way in the ninth, again in Pittsburgh. That was the formula for this team. But, I mean, I mean, while it's remarkable, of course, I mean, yeah, credit goes to, like, fitting those pieces together. And, yeah, her and her staff did a, a great job of, of putting all of that together, and, and, you know, we'll see how it goes now. I mean, it's a quick turnaround, but uh crazy week to get there, Jordan. And I'm just, I, I'm just happy for you, my friend, that you don't have to go back for one one freaking inning, yeah, thanks four to outs. what happened four in outs, New York, yes. yeah, or, or four outs, sorry, yeah, yeah, but your point being, yeah, you know, waste time, waste money going back to New York because a ground, a grounds crew
1: had that fiasco
0: that they did, and yeah, whatever, yeah,
1: yeah no, I mean, even before that series, for now, just that entire series, so again, Tuesday's game got postponed because of quote unquote unplayable field conditions, which, yeah, a Field, the field is going to be unplayable when you don't tarp the field when a tropical storm is coming. But I'll digress there. And then they play a doubleheader Wednesday. Marlins split it, uh, drop the first game, win the second. And then third game, they know weather's coming. They know that it's basically supposed to rain overnight and that around nine ten o'clock that rain's supposed to start coming. Game was originally scheduled for seven. Why not move it up? Even if it's just a half hour just to try to make sure that you're able to avoid that window that or that when everything's going to start and then have to pray that you have to find a window and then game gets delayed again marlin's rallying the top of the ninth go up to one they call it with two outs in the top of the ninth you have four outs to go you know the rain's gonna get worse try why not just try to play out those final 15 20 minutes whatever it's gonna be and not just have to sit there for three hours take the tarp off, and then leave the tarp off for 20 minutes while it's raining and have everyone going, looking looking around going, oh, yeah, look, it's getting on the field. It's not going to be good enough. Well, no crap. No crap it's going to uh, be like that if you're, if you're dealing with a three-hour rain delay and then you leave the infield dirt exposed for 20, 25 minutes to try to make your decision.
0: I've got a couple friends who on Saturday morning dried up a pickleball court like that. Yeah. after a freaking rainstorm in Miami. I, and I was joking with them. I'm like, I'm ready to send you guys up to New York. You might do a better job than what, what happened up there.
1: Yeah, no, and then we ended up looking, uh, the Mar- the Mets played the Phillies afterwards. Uh, Matt Gelb, who covers the Phillies for the Athletic, I saw him put a photo after, again, Friday's game got postponed as well because of the weather. He show the picture of as they removed the tarp and home plate just looked absolutely atrocious on Saturday. They ended up taking blow torches to dry up the in. It was seeing that photo, I absolutely lost it. But to That's get so back real. to the grand to get back to the grand scheme of things, luckily because of the way that everything unfolded throughout the weekend, the Marlins ended up finishing without that Mets game on that Mets game from Thursday, finished a half game above the Arizona Diamondbacks for the second wild card spy. And because the Marlins have the tiebreaker against Arizona, even if they had to go back, complete that game and lost. They will be tied with the diamondbacks for the final two spots and will get the get and they have the edge from the tiebreaker anyway. Right, so so yeah. So the result became moot. There will not be a win or loss for either team, but all of the stats from that game, including the top of the ninth where the Marlins got the two runs, will count for players' individual records. So Jesus hmm. Lodario gets his 10 strikeouts in seven in the third innings, seven and right. in third being a clear high for Jesus. Jazz Chisholm Jr. gets his RBI double in the ninth, which is against a lefty, something that even afterwards he was taking pride in because facing lefties has been a struggle for him. And that's something he needs to be able to adjust to long-term if he's going to be a full-time everyday guy. And he was looking as more or less jokingly going, I want to go back to New York just so I have that double against a lefty. So I get those stacked up there. But luckily everything, they don't have to do that. But if Sunday, if with the Marlins losing on Sunday, if Arizona had won, their Sunday game against Houston, the Marlins would have had to go back to play there because they would have been a half game under Arizona for that last, for the last spot. So luckily, everything worked out. The Marlins get the Monday off day or the Monday workout day in Philly before the wild card series and don't have to fly to New York, play for 30 minutes, and then fly fly to Milwaukee or take a train to Philly to then start everything Monday later.
0: Uh-huh. Although, had that all happened, wouldn't it be so on brand for this team to have all those extra obstacles oh, just course. before? I mean, it would have just the, been po- perfect, right?
1: It's, it's been their MO all year between yeah. having to deal with any all the different injuries they've had. They haven't had a Luis Arise in their lineup in basically a week and a half because right. of a twice-injured ankle, the first time slipping on the ground ball or stepping on the ground ball during batting practice, and then the second one tripping on the final step going into the dugout. When the Marlins did their light show for their closer, I was there. Yes, you were there. there. You were there for that I was one. Also, I, was I
0: was. I was also at a high school football game the other night where the lights flickered every time that somebody scored a touchdown, and I made that joke. And I go, I'm like, nobody ding their head on a, on the goalpost, nobody slip on something now because yeah. apparently this only happens at Marlins Park. This can't no. happen anywhere else. No.
1: I mean, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but after the Marlins clinched on Saturday and they did like, all of their celebration on the field, the group photo, and all of that, Saturday was also fireworks night for the Pirates. So as the Marlins <laughs> were walking off the field, all the lights went off, and I forget who it was, but a couple people went, "Hey, everyone, watch your step as you're going to the dugout to get back to the clubhouse. Yeah. We can't afford anything right now." It was just like, it was like it would be, like you said, it would be on brand if something like that happened. I mean, just again, you have a fluke injury like that, you have. Obviously, the real injuries. Everything with Sandy Alcantara being done for the year, Yuri Perez being done for the year, them being without Trevor Rogers, seeing how their rotation has been short-handed, uh, not play, having Jorge Soler out for two weeks, having really just having to see all these different guys, all these different moving pieces within the the game, within the game, with how Skip Schumacher's had to manage his team, how he's had to try to work with who he has on any given night, how they've had the basically fluctuate the roster with all the younger guys in the rotation, having to do a six man rotation when you really only have two or three starters in the first place, but you have to do the bullpen games because of just how much they have to be concerned with guys and their innings limits going up and still them finishing seven above 500 and being able to do that uh, 33 and 13 and one run games, the nine, the nine or 10 walk-off wins, whatever it was seeing them rally from four or five down in the ninth inning, two or three times this year. I mean, doing it in Atlanta, doing it, the Yankees game that you covered where they score five in the ninth and walk it off. And then just, again, I just go back to, I looked up numbers before the series started in Pittsburgh, the Marlins have the third best OPS in baseball in late and close situations, which is basically the final three innings of the game when you're either up a run tied or losing but can ha- potentially have the winning run either on the bases or at that, which is essentially mm-hmm. when all the high-leverage relievers, all the guys were supposed to be impossible to face, the Marlins have done better than anybody in, almost anybody in baseball in those situations, which yeah. just goes to show they're again, just that never say die, the can't count them out. If only they could do that against, I don't know, do that in the first or second inning so they're not having to hold their breath every single well, game seemingly, it yeah. would – what made this a lot less hectic, but still they found a way to make it work and it's paid off.
0: I, I think well that's that's a good segue because I think the the million dollar question now is, yes, they've had a clutch gene most of the season. It's gotten them to this point. But now when you're in a compact series like this, all the attention, all the scrutiny, now the chest pieces are being moved even more so, you know, pitching, you, you see it all the time in the playoffs. Guys, guys might get even a little bit of damage on the mound. Boom! They get they get yanked after like a two, like two three innings because you're in the playoffs and there's so much on the line. You yeah. know, two out of three. So, how sustainable do you think this is? When you know the clutch gene is great and you need that in the postseason, but you need a foundation to put yourself in the situation to even have that. And this team is down two of their biggest arms going into this postseason. So do they have enough matching up with, albeit a familiar opponent that has two very good pitchers themselves that are going to go up there, Wheeler and Nola? They're going to start with Luzardo like we thought, and then Braxton in game two. But can they – like, basically, can this carry over and can they do this in a two out of three? Is it sustainable and can they pull off this series?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the main thing for me that I'm going to be looking at is – Again, like you mentioned, those pitching matchups. Braxton Garrett, or Jesus sorry I should start with him. He's been absolutely dominant down this stretch. His last seven starts, he's gone at least six innings all but once. He has a. He's given up just 12 runs over those seven starts, and six of those came in one game against Milwaukee. So if you take out that game, he's given up six runs over 36 in the third innings, over, over a half dozen starts. He's basically, once Sandy went down at the start of September – he became the bona fide ace of the staff. And it's and it's really interesting to see how he's evolved so much over this year. We saw all the glimpses last year when he was healthy. He missed a lot of time last year with that forearm strain to start the year. And it was a matter of once he got to 115, 120, 125 innings, I was wondering how was he going to hold up? He's at 178 and two-thirds innings so far this season. And he's his stuff – has gotten better over this past month, five weeks. So if he, if Jesus Luzardo can go toe to toe with Zach Wheeler and give the Marlins a chance for their offense to do something, and essentially for the Marlins to be able to get to their bullpen, if the Marlins can get the Phillies bullpen, I think it's anyone's game. If they can find mm-hmm. a way to to chase Zach Wheeler before it gets too late in the game. I like the Marlins' chance to be able to do something. Not necessarily win, but I feel like they would at least give themselves a chance. And then when you get to Game 2, yeah, Aaron Nola, for his career, he's been great. This year, again, he has a four-four-six ERA this year. Uh, even a, I'm trying to look up the exact numbers, but his home run numbers, 32 home runs this year in 193 innings. Uh, he's just, we've seen... Nola take a step back this year and it's a walk year for Nola, which is even more surprising to see the struggles that he's had this year, knowing just how important it is for him. Uh 45 walks, the most he's given up in a in a season since 2019. Uh the again, the 32 home runs, I believe that's a career high. Uh yeah, that's beyond it. That's beyond a career high. He's never given up more than twenty-seven in a year. The Marlins have done well against Nola this year. Uh their first start against them in Philly was the game where Luis Rice guys cycle, John Bernie hit a big home run off him. They know how to get to Nola. So if they can figure out game one, however it is, hopefully they're able to execute against Nola in game two. If it gets to a game three, that's when everything's going to get interesting. Because Philly most likely is going to throw Ranger Suarez. The Marlins, you would think it's going to be Edward Cabrera getting the start or the bulk stuff. And then beyond him, it's just a matter of what you have left in the bullpen after the first two games. Because I don't think they're going to put Johnny Cueto into a big situation unless they're forced to. I don't think right. they're going to put a guy like a Brian Hoeing or George Soriano into a big situation unless they have to. And all of their back end guys, AJ Puck, Tanner Scott, obviously Andrew Nardi, you want to save them for when you do have the lead or if you're within a run. They're not going to chase. They're not going to chase with those guys down multiple runs unless it's do or die. And, and you want to make yeah. it. Yeah,
0: go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that. And that's why I think even before I thought the ceiling for this team is was beyond this round because, I mean, yes, it would be hard to, to pull it off as the underdog and whatnot. But a compact series like this, I guess it doesn't tax your pitching as much. You know what I mean? Like, like I still it, right. going, seeing these pitching problems that they have, missing the two big arms and whatnot. The further they'd go in is when I'd get more worried. Obviously, not the competition ramps up, of course, but even just how do you, how does it hold up in a three out of five? How does it hold up in a best of seven? But in a two out of three, that's a little bit more manageable. And like you were saying, in Philly, there's a familiar opponent and this is a hitter's ballpark too. And they've had success hitting there too. So I'm not so worried about them producing enough runs to get this done. To me, it's more like that mix and match game. And does the bullpen, which at various times this year has had the depth to get them through a lot of games, can they do that now in this in this quick series like this? And, you know, puncher's chance, I don't see why not. I mean, I think you got to go in at least giving them the benefit of the doubt that it's at least possible for them to do this. You don't look at it like anything unrealistic.
1: No, exactly. And again, the Marlins, they've gone seven and six against Philly this year. They were four and two in Philly this year. They both they won both series in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. Uh right. I'm excited. To, I'm interested to see how they handle what that crowd's gonna be like like out there. Obviously, hmm. Philly just making making it through. They made it to the World Series last yeah. year. Those Philly fans, they get rally. They let you yeah. hear you can, it one way or and, the and, other. And, and, yeah.
0: And 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 yeah, there's games where there's forty thousand or whatever, or thirty-five thousand, whatever it holds in, in a regular season game, hike that up. It's gonna feel like there's fifty thousand out there, the way that's gonna get intense in a playoff game.
1: Yeah. And then I want to circle back to talking about their depth pitching depth beyond this. If they do make it to the second round, the NLDS, which just for everyone out there, they're paired with the Braves for that one. So be prepared. Uh but the way the schedule <laughs> the way the schedule actually worked out. This year, because of TV and whatnot, there is actually a day off between game one and game two, which would both be in Atlanta, and then you have the travel day between game two and game three. So the Marlins right. actually get off days in between one and two and two and three, which right. should actually help the mar- help the, the starting pitchers in terms of the extra day of rest for those guys who are going the first two games, which one would assume would be Braxton or, Ger- or Lazardo and Braxton again, to the point where... Lazardo very well could go Game Four and be on regular rest if mm-hmm. if a if a series does get to that get that deep and get to that point. We're obviously I'm talking way too far ahead right now though for this, but in that hypothetical, that extra off day for how they did it with the NLDS this year would actually help the Marlins. I don't want to say put it in their favor, but it gives them help considering the state of where they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think a lot of people are like, let's worry about this yeah, wild card. Exactly. No, we'll no worry doubt. About the no Braves.
1: doubt. No doubt. But no doubt. But, but yeah. I just wanted to say, but, we're but talking we're, since we were on that yeah. topic, it felt no, 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 no. It it but just, I understand what insane, you're saying. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it is slightly, slightly, very slightly, all in all caps, slightly yeah. better catching Atlanta in a three out of five than a best of seven. But yeah. a problem that yeah, you know, cross that bridge when you get to cross that bridge it. if they get to it yeah. and when they get to it. But uh, but Philly. I think, uh, you know, a, a juicy little series, too, in terms of storylines, too, because, you know, we know going back, obviously, not you know, the division rivalry, of course, and everything like that, and years of battles between the two franchises. But in recent history, too, I mean, the real Mudo trade, which, you know, back and forth over the years since it happened, you know, who, who won it overall? And, you know, when the, a few years ago, the Marlins are in the playoffs with Sixto at the head of the rotation, you're thinking, yeah it was pretty good. Then, of course, we haven't seen six, though, pitch since, you know, the major league level. And now you're like, oh, maybe. And then Alfaro and then the weirdness of it, too. Alfaro's back in the Marlins dugout now after all that. So, you know, a lot of history between the two teams. So I think that's going to make for an interesting, albeit, even though it's a a, a series that, you know, weather permitting will only last at most three days. It's going to be an interesting three days.
1: Yeah, and just quick thing with Alfaro, he's with them in the minor league side. He's on, he's not on the big league roster. But yeah, I just meant
0: during the season yeah. seeing him back yeah. was yeah. was just bizarre and yeah. surreal too because it's yeah. like yes,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but you have you have that storyline. You also have going back to 2020 that first series when the Marlins took two th- two of three against them to open that season, and mm-hmm. the Phillies TV person calling them the bottom feeders and them embracing right. that during that playoff run. Right. Again, and now all,
0: the COVID, all the COVID yeah. incident happened there too. Exactly. At, the, at the beginning of that season. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There, it's it's a it's a it's a great one. But let's uh let's uh, let's wrap it up talking about um the batting champion himself, the guy who we thought was going after Ted Williams, then he cooled off a bit, but still a tremendous year for Lisa Rice. I mean, you know, you talked about it uh Jordan three fifty four is what he ended up, you know, even before he fell down the stairs, unfortunately but sounds like there's a chance he will be okay potentially to play in this series. And that's huge for that Marlins lineup, but let's take that twofold, not just the possibility of him playing, but first let's talk about just the season in retrospect, you know, the first one to do back to back years, winning a batting title in both leagues. And I believe you told me the only, you wrote only a third to do it period in both leagues. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big accomplishment. And the fact that he not only did it like better than last year, because last year was in the three, what was it? 314, three, three, I believe six, last year. Yeah, 316 it was, last it was year.
1: 316 last year, 354 this year. Right. And again, it's just. What's it 12,
0: 12 years, I believe, since then someone had, or 13 uh, years and someone uh, had done two, over 350?
1: Uh, yeah, first time in MLB, not including the 2020 season again. That was only 60 games, not 162. First since Josh Hamilton in 2010. He hit 359 that year with the Rangers. The first in the NL, you have to go back to 2008 when it was Chipper Jones who hit 364 and Albert Pujols at 357.
0: Chipper. Yep.
1: So, but also just Skip Schumacher gave the best quote with it going, Incredible year. It felt like he was hitting 400 the majority of the year. And when he slumped, he was only hitting about 360. So it's just, again, yeah. it's just like every we'll take time. His
0: you, slump, we'll take his slumps over other people's uh, yeah. on fire moments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. And then just on the Marlins specific side, 354 it's a New Marlins record. Uh, the previous mark was Hanley Ramirez when hmm. he hit 342 That's back right. in the 2009 season. They're the only two in Marlins history that ever hit above 240. And his 203 hits overall were fifth in Marlins history in a single season. Juan Pierre has that record 221 hits in that old four year. Right. And then with a rise just overall, it's just every time I watch him, I look and go, "Can I guess where he's going to hit it?" And I look, go, "Oh, there's a the shortstop is shifted two shades to to the right. he's going to hit it right past him, and he does right." Or he, or they draw a five-man infield to try to stop him from a walk-off, which vacates right field. Where do you think right. he's going to go? And, no, he, and yeah. yeah. And then you even look at this weekend, uh, the Friday game. He comes in having – hadn't played in about a week, comes in for a pinch hit appearance in the eighth, hits a single with basically one good ankle to start their – help, to help spark their four-run rally in the eighth to help get them to the point where they were able to clinch on Saturday. And it's just it's it's unbelievable where it's like goes in completely cold and just does it. It's, he, he makes he, he makes hitting look a lot easier than it actually is made out to be. The,
0: these these tiny series that feel like a super regional at a, in a in a college format, mm-hmm. like they are. You may have to win a three two game or yes. a two or a two one game or something like that, and he's the spark plug that can get you that timely hit. Whether it's driving in the run or scoring the run himself after he gets on, I could totally see that this week. I could totally see him in one of, at least in one of these games, having that sort of at clutch at bat like he's done all year. And I mean, it, it, it was so good to see, like not only him be able to do that, but also I think it, it's a, it, it's it's a it's a byproduct too a little bit of seeing the league. And baseball itself get better this year, and we talked about at the beginning of the season. We were we were excited about how these new rules and you know minimizing the shift, and 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 you saw it with Acuna going 40 70 and and mm-hmm. uh, how the base running the base running hasn't been the the, yes. the the base stealing hasn't been this good since the Ricky Henderson days, yeah. like in the eighties, and it's um it's made the game more exciting. And Luisa Lisa Reyes is that kind of player, yes, that just it's he's like perfect for the way the game adjusted this year. And, and, yes. he, th- and he thrived in it, and that 40-point jump or whatever in, in, in batting average, I think, showed it right there. So it was good to see, and and, and it's something that's important that I think they're going to need. Yeah, he's, he's the type of guy that can win you this series, maybe yes. even in, in just a handful of moments.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And on the bright side, it does look like he will be in the lineup Tuesday when they opened the series, he took ground balls all three days in Pittsburgh. And that was really the last thing that they need to see how good he was feeling out there fielding because the Marlins at the situation, they really can't DH him because Jorge Soler or Josh Bell is always going to be in that spot or Jake Berger. They end up using him in third base. They can't afford to have Luis arise in there at the DH and basically have to sacrifice having one of Josh Bell or Jorge Soler in the lineup when you're going to need that bump. So right. if Luis Arise is in the lineup, he's going to be playing second base. Uh, how uh, Skip Schumacher said that Saturday and Sunday, he looked like the Luis Arise of old, basically pre-double ankle injury mm-hmm. uh, when he was out there, which he wanted to see two days of that before putting him back in the lineup. And he obviously he wasn't going to play Sunday anyway. They had the spot clinched. They basically rested all their big guys just to make sure they had as much time off to basically have two full days off before starting that playoff series. So Tuesday, I would, I would anticipate. I'm not going to say he's going to be in there, but I would anticipate Luis Rice being back in the starting lineup on Tuesday, and that's the best case scenario for the Marlins to be able to have him back at the top of the lineup in as they be in the playoffs.
0: It ought to be a fun series. I mean, compact, but lots of fun. Two out of three up in Philly, and you know, playoff baseball. This is when everybody even this is when even the casual baseball fans tune in because they like seeing that do or die, especially early in the early rounds, a lot of teams. I mean, looking at the playoff picture as a whole, I mean, we did some, I think we did some predictions a long time ago, but it's uh, interesting to see some of these matchups, the Texas Rangers back in the playoffs, you know, uh, you know, Seattle just missed on that side of it, but you know, the Diamondbacks had a good year, Zach Gallon at the top of that rotation. I mean, I wonder if any of these sleeper teams, I mean, Atlanta looks unbelievable as usual. They they look stacked. LA got the Dodgers got their, their, you know, their, you know, what together and ended up winning 100 games after all that. But I wonder, you know, there's always a team. There's always one of those sleeper, get hot late type of teams. And I wonder who that could be in, in this postseason. It'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting. And uh, the one thing since we talked about our predictions, man, were we and just about everybody else. Wrong about what will happen with San Diego Padres.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about a little bit off camera here about uh, who should win that NL Cy Young. And I mean, Blake Snell had a, a still had a very good year in spite of all the walks and all of that, led in a lot of categories. But man, that 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 team just cannot put it together with all the talent they have to. to I mean, they just haven't yet. I don't know if at some point it'll finally click in San Diego, but definitely, yeah, if you, if you have a disappointment of, of the year. In terms of expectations, it's got to be them.
1: Yeah, them and the Mets again. Well, yeah, I, yeah. No, again, highest payroll, highest payroll since well ever, and basically, I believe if I remember correctly, their taxes on their payroll was higher than the Marlins' payroll itself on opening day. Yeah, I've the just taxes.
0: gotten to, I, yeah, the taxes yeah. were. Yeah. yeah, no, it tells you. I've just gotten to expect that from the Mets. Yeah. I've gotten to the point like every year. That's why I never picked them to win the yeah. division or beat Atlanta or anything like that because I just. I just figure it's something the the, the string's going to break, something's going to burst on that team, and it always does. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. But yeah, the, the underachieving mm-hmm. franchise is definitely the Padres, and mm-hmm. we'll see. But but yeah, that, I, back on point. Let's see. Maybe the Marlins are that team. They've been, you know, on brand as to defy the odds. But I think I think they have it in them at least for one more series, and then maybe take on the monster. We'll see. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing I will say is. They probably, if they do get there to Atlanta, that series sweep in mid-September, where they were able to take all three games against Atlanta, that at least has to do something for them. Because again, they were one and nine against Atlanta to at start of the year before they before Atlanta came to Miami and Marlins outscoring, I think it was 36 to 13. Granted, mm-hmm. they only had one of their main three horses pitch in that series, but still just in the general sense of hey. We Any can kind stop, of little mental yeah, edge, right? Yeah. Mental edge. And when you could say, hey, we held the Braves to four runs a game, which mm-hmm. for the Braves is like an inning. To be able to say, yeah, we were able to hold them to that, that's to be able to slow their offense down, I think, meant a lot, would mean a lot more compared to the Marlins offense being able to find a way against their pitching. Yeah. If you can say you can slow down one of the top lineups in baseball, which again, Philly's in the same boat. If you can yeah. say if you have can say that your pitching can stop those offenses, and then the Marlins just being that team where they're within a couple runs in the last three innings, you kind of got to say, Okay, how are they gonna do it this time? It just and the fact that they've done it all year just gives them even more confidence that they can do it because it's not like they're having to learn how to do this in August and September. They've been doing right. it basically since since game one.
0: Yeah, no, the and the interesting the way this year was set up too, with the extra wild card and whatnot. A lot of teams like the Marlins had to go all out and basically play almost playoff-type baseball for a while now. But then you had a lot of teams like Atlanta that, yes, of course, on paper you got to look, and all due respect, they're still the top team and had the best record. But they kind of they, they locked everything up and then not shut it off, but kind of, you know, coasted through September a little bit just to get to the finish line. So interesting to see those teams, if they can amp it back up now when they need to to go on that championship run that they're gearing up for. I kind of like, I like the Dodgers in that sense because they are, they started kind of by their standards, kind of mediocre and then hit their stride and ended up with a hundred win season. So they're coming in a little more hot than some of these other teams too. But I mean, again, the whole playoff picture will be interesting. And, you know, Jordan, you have been, you know, documenting the whole thing, every aspect of this, and you can, and he's going to continue to do that folks. uh, By the time we record this next one, either the season will be over or they'll have not only advanced but they'll have started the division series by then I know by the time schedule that we do this pod will already we already would be within that division series but you know let's see where we're at in a week week from now and uh, we'll be back to recap uh, what should be one way or the other should be a pretty good uh, quick but thrilling series against the Philadelphia Phillies so for Jordan McPherson who will be on site in Philadelphia bringing all that to you I'm Andre Fernandez, and we'll catch you next week on Fish Bites.